ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Member FDIC. It is Thursday, August 20th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone lines at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite holds true great taste. Only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. Also taking your tweets this hour, you can find me online at Paul Swan. And if you are on Facebook, we invite you to join our Facebook page. All you have to do is search The Drive with Paul Swan. I think we got to start with the big news just coming out. Uh, several sources have confirmed this. East Carolina has paused all football activity. They are evaluating the latest round of COVID-19 test results. So as it stands at this moment, East Carolina, and you know the state of North Carolina has sort of been a hot spot here as of late with North Carolina, NC State announcing their move to online classes this week, ECU pausing football activities. Now, this doesn't directly impact Marshall just yet. The Marshall game against ECU, September 12th, so not a direct impact yet. There's still time, as we have talked about. This is such a fluid situation, and nothing is set in stone until it actually happens. So as it stands right now, this does not impact Marshall playing against ECU, but this could have implications towards that game this could potentially impact it or this is just a bump in the road for ECU as we get closer and closer to football season again for the Thundering Herd September 5th against EKU we're going to get into all of that including the Mountaineers decision to not have fans in attendance for their opener against Eastern Kentucky also we'll talk a little bit about what's happening with the schedule we've talked about how Marshall, right now, seven conference games. Mike Hamrick has indicated that maybe there's not going to be an eighth game. We've got more on that. So that's where we start with the football stuff. But before we do that, i got to step back a minute and talk about what happened last night with Cincinnati Reds play-by-play broadcaster Tom Brenneman. Now, I flip back and forth. I watch everything I can. I'm watching NBA. I'm watching hockey. I flip back to the Reds game. I listen in to the Pirates game. So I'm just going all over the place. And I didn't hear it firsthand, but I did go back and and listen to what he said after I found out that he had used what best described a slur, a gay slur, during the broadcast last night. Now, he's he's in the Fox Sports booth calling this game, and... What happened to set this up? Something in the broadcast industry that we all refer to, it's a term that we use, it's called a hot mic. And one of the first things that we're taught, not just in college, if you are taking that route to get into broadcasting, or just in general, that every microphone should be considered hot. And what that means is they can be open at all times. 
So right now, I'm talking into a microphone that's open. We're broadcasting over the air. I'm speaking out to you, and I know this microphone's on. But I am to treat this microphone and all the microphones in my studio as if they are always on. Doesn't matter if they're off. I see the indicator that says off. I am to treat these microphones as live microphones because something could happen accidental. One could be turned on. Next thing you know, I'm speaking in the studio, not knowing that my conversation is going over the air. And we keep really a good watch on these type of things because we could be talking about something like personal information. I mean, I could be in a studio and I could be talking to someone and I could be talking about something personal and you don't want that over the air. Or maybe someone is in the studio, unbeknownst to them, the microphone is uh, on, poor taste, they, they drop a joke, it has a profanity in it, things that we don't want on the air. There are a lot of things that we don't want on the air. So we try to err on the side of caution. Hey, look, you know, I, if you can't say it on the air, don't say it around the microphone. And that's just microphone etiquette for us in the broadcasting industry. And Tom Brenneman, he is a seasoned veteran. He has been in the industry at top levels for a long time. So he should know better. But that's not the big issue here. The big issue here is he was caught unbeknownst to him using a gay slur during the broadcast on Wednesday night. Now, I have it edited. If you didn't hear what he said, he was making a, a reference. I, I believe he's talking about Kansas City. I don't know what he's talking about, what he's referring to. But he called, and this was a conversation. He's having a conversation with someone. You didn't hear the other part of the conversation. He said that, this is, quote, one of the capitals of the world. Here's the actual comment that he said off air, he thought, actually went over the air and was captured and recorded. The capitals of the world. Reds Live, the pregame show presented by Ray St. Clair Roofing. Now, he makes that comment. Then he comes back with the rejoiner. You, you hear me come back and I start talking after a produced open or I start talking after a produced rejoin, but I'm coming back. Hear that again. And you listen to it. It's what's really murdering him right now on social media as far as public perception. It's the slur itself and the context, the delivery there's no way you can play this off. The f- capitals of the world. Reds Live, the pregame show presented by Ray St. Clair Roofing. So that's him making that comment. It gets captured. People are watching. Next thing you know, it gets on social media. And it's out there. It's everywhere. Tom finishes the game and then gets to call the second game. So he finishes the first game. It was a doubleheader for the Reds. Gets to call the second game. Of course, this is blowing up on social media. I'm just watching it blow up. It's getting out everywhere. And then, finally, the fifth. 
And it was just one of the weirdest things you ever seen or heard. Tom is calling the game and apologizing in the middle of the game. And he's still calling the game in the middle of it. So basically he's calling the game, sets up why he's going to be leaving the booth, and still calling the game in the middle of his apology. Here's what he said when it was revealed to him or he was made aware, and if you saw the video, his face, I mean, this was a man that looked like the world has just changed before him, and he got caught. Here is his uh, apology for using that gay slur on the air. 3 nothing ball game with the Reds in front of the Royals. We go to the top half of the fifth inning. Castellanos to lead things off. Jim Day's going to be taking us the rest of the way through this game as Holland takes over on the mound. I made a comment earlier tonight that uh, I guess uh, went out over the air that I am deeply ashamed of. If I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith, as there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. I don't know if it's going to be for the Reds. I don't know if it's going to be for my bosses at Fox. I want to apologize for the people who signed my paycheck for the Reds, for Fox Sports Ohio, for the people I work with, for anybody that I've offended here tonight. I can't begin to tell you how deeply sorry I am. That is not who I am uh, and never has been. And I'd like to think maybe I could have some people that, uh, that could back that up. I am very, very sorry, and I beg for your forgiveness. Jim Dale, take you the rest of the way home. So that's how it ended for Tom Brenneman on the air. Now, Fox Sports comes out, not going to be a part of the broadcast. The terminology wasn't fired, suspended, so he's going to be suspended for baseball, not going to be calling Reds broadcast. He's also not going to be calling... NFL action is not going to be a member of the team for the season. So Fox Sports comes out. The Reds come out. Fox Sports Ohio, different entity from Fox Sports. But here's what the Reds said. This is their statement. The Cincinnati Reds organization is devastated by the horrific homophobic remark made this evening by broadcaster Tom Brenneman. He was pulled off the air and effective immediately was suspended from doing Reds broadcast. During his apology, um, Brenneman implied that he, he he did realize this could cost his job. And I think he realized at that point, if you watch that video, that I, I have no defense here. I can't I can't defend this. I can't walk this back. I can't talk my way out of it. I can't situate a scenario in my mind or, or present something that would bail me out of this. I mean, this is a guy who follows in the footsteps of his father, Marty Brenneman. Now, Tom and Marty are, are different individuals, but they're both long-term lifers in broadcasting. And both Brennemans are experienced, seasoned pros. And no one's perfect. We've all had a hot mic incident. 
Some have been comical. Some have been embarrassing. This one, though, this one you can't really walk away from. Because this was, again, not me dropping an F-bomb or saying something that is a little lewd. Not exactly in, in good taste, but at the same time, something I probably shouldn't have done, but I could be forgiven for it. No, it's completely different. Again, it's him referencing a place, and I assume, and this is just a, an assumption, that he's talking about Kansas City using a gay slur. And again, just just to hit the point home. The capitals of the world. Reds Live, the pregame show presented by Ray St. Clair Roofing. He drops that just so casually. But you can hear some disdain in his voice, and then he starts and continues with his broadcast. If he, if he's professional that I think he is, he's messed up on so many levels on top of this slur. Because one, broadcast booth, and there have been several stories written about this since, but... I'm telling you, we go after each other at times in in a broadcast booth. We have fun with each other, but there's a certain point in time where you don't cross some lines, and that's just, that's anywhere. But he's dropping, and he feels so comfortable about it too. That's the thing, really. That's the takeaway for me here. I don't know what the culture is uh, in that booth, and I don't know what set that up. I don't know if this is a one-off or if this is something that has gone on. I don't know any of that, and I don't have the grounds to assume, presume, or any other, you know, take on this. I, I just don't. But keep your disparaging remarks to yourself. If you're in this, and you're in this industry, if you're in this studio, you need to keep that stuff home. You just take that stuff and keep it home. Because these are all live microphones. So one, do yourself the favor. Keep that stuff at home in front of a hot microphone. But it wouldn't have been a problem with a hot microphone if you were keeping that stuff at home. I mean, because you can you can feel the way you feel. You can you can have that opinion. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm saying you can have that opinion. Be who you are. But if you're in this world, this arena, this realm, you gotta you got to remember, you know, that stuff isn't isn't good because, again, these are public airwaves. I am on public airwaves right now. And uh, ultimately, my job, even though I have so many tasks and I have so many duties, but my job is when I'm on this microphone to not do anything that would cost my company the license. Because, again, we are broadcasting over the air. And Tom's situation is a little different, but not that different. But I'm broadcasting over the air in a, a situation where, okay, they're letting me, they're letting me doing this. They're letting me speak because they have faith in me. My employer has faith in me that you know I'm going to make sure to protect the license. And how do I protect the license? Well, I don't say things like that that Tom Brenneman said for one. Uh, and I make sure that I obey everything and understand. And I realize that hot mics are are dangerous. Hot mics are probably career wreckers. This right here, this microphone in front of me, 
is probably the most dangerous thing in my life because it connects what I say to the world. And so I have to treat it with a lot of respect here. I got to make sure whatever I say to the world isn't disparaging, offensive. I mean, we can have a difference of opinion, that's for sure. That's one thing. But, you know, to actually be slurring, disparaging, it's not good. And I hate it for the guy. I genuinely do because, and this is uncomfortable for me to talk about, because I hate it for the guy. I've met the guy. I've met Tom Brenneman. I've had it. I mean, I'm not friends with Tom Brenneman, but I've talked to him. I've, I've met him before. And... He's always been a, a, a nice guy with me. And again, this is anecdotal. This is completely anecdotal. But he's always been nice with me. And I've never had a reason to question anything with him. Always been nice. Always been you know, personable up front. And then you hear this, and, and I, I hear this come out of his mouth, and you think that, that doesn't add up with the guy I've previously met. But again, I don't know him that well. So this is either... Uh, a major, major misstep, or this is the guy. I'm willing to give anyone a second chance because, after all, we we can't just throw people out and be done with them. Something like this is going to this is going to be with him for the rest of his life. It's going to be a stain upon him. He is going to have to overcome this. He's going to have to learn from this. He's got a lot to work on. We all do, but he's got a lot to work on in his life right now. And you know, he came out with an apology, sort of a, a follow-up apology, trying to um, express how bad he feels. And I'll, I'll say this. yeah, I hope life works out for him, but right now, as far as this is concerned, this industry— He's done for the foreseeable future. And we can all use this as a as a learning moment because this is, again, I mean, this guy had a, a great career. His career just right now is a piece of trash that we just threw away. I mean, how he recovers from this, I don't know, but I mean, he was calling Reds games. He was calling NFL games, National Network. I mean, he had a, a really great broadcasting career. And it's very hard to have a break, I mean, a great broadcasting career. And these times when we're all struggling, and he was in a golden spot right now, and it's, it's sad, but that doesn't excuse anything because you're in that position. You got to make sure, you got to make sure that you, you're in that position. You, you don't. You don't take it for granted. You don't abuse it because words are are very dangerous. Context is a, is a very important. Words are very dangerous. And so that's Tom Brenneman. Sad to say this, but uh, Tom Brenneman uh, right now, um, I don't know what I don't know what tomorrow looks like for him. Uh, it's um, it's definitely going to be a long journey for him. We'll talk football when we continue, uh, get you caught up on what's happening in Conference USA. Again, uh, East Carolina pausing football activities. Uh, we'll tell you a little bit more about what's happening in the league. Also, West Virginia 
they're going to play football against Eastern Kentucky, but it's going to look a little different than what they were hoping for. We'll talk about that when we continue as well with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Don't worry. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to the Thursday edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Program note, we won't be here tomorrow. We have got NASCAR racing and we've got baseball. So we have a little racing in the late afternoon and we have got baseball action and it all starts at 4.30 tomorrow right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 9.30. So no more show for me this week, though. we got to make the rest of this even better than I always try to do. So let's get it going. Uh, you heard earlier, and if you didn't, let me reiterate uh, what happened earlier. Uh, East Carolina has paused football activities. Don't know what that's going to have as far as a short-term and long-term impact on the Marshall game. Marshall, East Carolina, set for September 12th at ECU. West Virginia getting sent to take on Eastern Kentucky. They'll see Eastern Kentucky a week after Eastern Kentucky plays Marshall at Joan C. Edwards Stadium. Athletic Department comes out today, says no fans in attendance due to safety precautions related to the COVID-19 pandemic. Only essential game operations personnel and families of the players and football staff will be admitted into Milan Postcard Stadium on game day. The statement reads they're disappointed that they're not going to be able to allow fans to attend the September 12th home game, but they're working diligently to open their gates for Big 12 conference play. October 3rd. So what this allows here is you got a cushion. You now have a cushion. Is this going to come down and be something that cascades? Are we going to see this maybe happen to other schools in the region? Marshall, for example. Will Marshall have a a moment where they have to come out and say, look, we're going to play EKU. It's still going to be on September 5th, but we can't let fans in the stadium. Because right now, Marshall's trying to put together plans and and follow guidelines and do everything they can to allow fans to come into the stadium. Because what's the point of the football game without the fans, right? I mean, this is going to be a complete total TV package only deal for some of these games, right? Because you're going to allow a limited amount of fans to come in. You're going to limit your... Your seating capacity, you're going to spread people out. Uh, you're going to probably limit a lot of capacity inside the press box as well. Yeah, I, again, I can't imagine, and I don't know what the numbers are going to look like for, for Marshall, and I'm sure they're working it out right now, but I can't imagine you have those small, confined spaces where you have a lot of people. I mean, maybe you can, but we're not talking just people in their luxury suites. We're talking about having people... Um, congregate in the hallways, congregate in the elevator. And that's going to happen across the country. This isn't just a Marshall thing. So I don't know what those game plans are going to look like. I mean, are you going to have your luxury suites uh, be occupied? Are those going to be limited? What's the deal there? And so we're going to find out all of that soon. 
But I'm pretty sure there's going to be a cutting of capacity for all of that if people are going to be allowed in. Because if fans aren't going to be allowed in, then I don't think anyone other than essential personnel are going to be allowed into the stadium. And that's not just with West Virginia for this game. That's for Marshall as well. I mean, they're letting only essential game operations, personnel, and families of the players and football staff. I mean, that doesn't even say, of course, this is the least important aspect of this. This doesn't even say if media will be allowed in outside of game operations, which I'm sure would mean radio crew, television. Because if you're playing this thing and nobody gets to watch it, other than for the kids, what are you doing? So you're going to have a limited TV crew, I'm sure. You're going to have maybe a limited radio crew. And are you going to have remote broadcast? And that's another question. And we don't know how this is going to look like as far as college is concerned. You know, will the voice of the herd get to go to ECU? Will the voice of the herd get to go to Western Kentucky, La Tech, FIU? I mean, is all of that going to happen? And I can't answer that question right now. I mean, fortunately for Marshall, six home games, four road games, with FIU, La Tech, Western Kentucky, and ECU being the road games, you got it pretty good right now. You know, Mike Hamrick's been working it hard, working it daily, probably working it right now as we speak, maybe making plans upon plans upon plans and making sure that he's got everything in its proper place to make this happen. But if West Virginia can't have fans for the game coming up on September 12th, what's the situation going to look like here as we get closer to Marshall and EKU on September 5th? 25 30%, will that be... What comes in, and that's the stadium. And is that going to be the capacity of the of the press box, the suites as well? Honestly, I mean, tailgating. What's that going to look like if there's tailgating? And I don't think that's going to happen. And again, I could be wrong, but I don't see tailgating being part of the game day experience for Marshall, for West Virginia as well. But that's just maybe either a situation that is maybe a little bit more specific to what's happening in in Morgantown and that area and for West Virginia. And this is not going to have any impact on what's happening with Marshall. But the news that East Carolina has paused football activities could have some impact. I mean, we could be looking at Marshall playing EKU on September 5th and then not playing again until September 19th, then either trying to get another game in to fill a hole or going with their schedule. And it looks like 10 right now what we're at. Unless there's a compelling reason to add a game on the road, Marshall's not doing that. And right now you're going to play your conference schedule. October 3rd, it begins with Rice. And we know with Old Dominion not in the mix that Conference USA has decided Pretty much the seven games will be what the East schools play. So East schools are going to play seven. Okay, that sounds fair. Instead of trying to balance it out for the sake of balancing it out, you're going to play seven conference games, and you know, I think you can pull that off. I mean, Luckily for Marshall, that was a road game lost, not a home game. That's that's the lucky thing for Marshall. Marshall didn't have to go out and try to find yet another home game. Because, again, if Marshall's playing in front of fans, six home games, a lot better than five home games. And a lot better than four home games. 
because at least you capture some revenue, you capture some of that season ticket money. And again, that's how you get in. And it's going to be a limited proposition, I'm sure, for season ticket holders. If you've got 20 tickets, you might not have 20 seats. If you have 10 tickets, you might not have 10 seats. If you've got four tickets, you might have two. You know, it just depends on how the ticket office is working with the fans and, and how they're placing everything. And there's going to be options, I'm sure. Marshall's been pretty transparent as far as what the options are, partial refunds, full refunds. You can use the money to carry over to next season. You can donate it and then just continue to buy your tickets as you normally would. Just consider this money a donation. You know, same thing with West Virginia. They've got some plans. Uh, they're going to uh, send out their information and have some options for allocating their season ticket investment for remaining home games with spectators. Again, it's all up in the air. It's all fluid right now. We just don't know if we're going to be able to have fans at these games. So radio is going to be important. Television is going to be important for herd fans, at least to connect with the team. Those will be outlets that will be allowed because – if Hurt fans can't hear the game, can't watch the game, it's it's going to be ugly. It's, it's just going to be ugly. And that's the same for every other institution that's still going to play a season right now. Hopefully we get this sorted out because we get a game here in a couple weeks plus with Eastern Kentucky. We're going to continue on with today's edition of The Drive. 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. More on the way, ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Our phone lines presented by Miller Lite, 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. Miller Lite, hold true, great taste, only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. We're getting caught up on what's happening with Conference USA. and Conference USA meeting on a call yesterday, and uh, according to... Uh, media releases and sources uh, seasons continuing we know that much again of course this is thursday the call was wednesday so something could change but the league does expect to have a revised schedule and some medical plans that uh, could be similar to what the big 12 model is three tests a week that's going to put a burden on these institutions for sure, but still it's not an unexpected burden. And, of course, also, as I mentioned earlier, with Old Dominion not playing this fall, the East Division schools, which include Charlotte, FAU, FIU, of course, Middle Tennessee and Western Kentucky, and Marshall each playing only seven league games. The West schools will play eight league games, and that's according to uh, reports coming out of Stadium. And... You're looking at fans, how many fans are going to be in a stadium. Using Western Kentucky as maybe a comparison because, again, I'm thinking 25-30. That's what Marshall Athletic Director Mike Hamrick has previously indicated. Again, that is fluid and that is not a definitive percentage. But what Western Kentucky is hopeful for is they want to do 25% capacity as well. Uh, So... They're hoping that maybe that's the minimum. They can do 25% more, and I think that's what we're going to see. We're going to see that's going to be like a magic number, 25 30%, and that's going to be across the board, 25 30%, because it's not 
how many people you can bring in. It's, okay, what percentage can you bring in? Because now you're going to have to conduct uh, a lot of reworking of seating charts. You're going to have to make sure people are seated where there's going to be minimal contact. Of course, you know, masks are going to be required. Again, all of this is, you know, we're basically mitigating the possibility of catching COVID-19, the flu. Hey, you know what? If I can avoid the flu, I'm wearing masks every day. Serious. I'm, I can avoid the flu this fall. I can avoid you know, everything possible here. You know, I'm on board with this because, again, it's not the end-all, cure-all, but if we can mitigate, that's where we're going to have the most success. And I know you would think, okay, well, we're all asked to wear a mask. It isn't working. Well, if people were doing it better, we probably would have better results right now. And, and if we could have just gotten together collectively as a, a country, as a a body of people and said, okay, let's do this in the short term so we can have the things we like now. Because right now, your football season might be happening, might not be happening. It's jeopardized right now. And it's not necessarily because of Marshall. Marshall's trying to pull this off. And Marshall's been pretty good so far as what they've been able to do with their students. No real major outbreaks. I mean, you had a few kids come in. I mean, very few come in with COVID-19. Caught it before they were introduced into the bubble. We've been pretty good since. Of course, the new challenges, kids on campus, you know, how students are going to behave if they're going to unwillingly forget, maybe willingly forget, maybe do some things they shouldn't be doing. Uh, it's it's a complete mess right now. It really is. Total, complete mess. And that's where we stand. Pac-12 steals one from Conference USA. We'll talk about that as Merton Hanks no longer on the payroll with Conference USA. We'll talk about that when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We are wrapping up today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. The Pac-12 today making a hire. Someone who's been involved with the NFL and in college athletics. Merton Hanks. Senior Associate Commissioner of Conference USA, now the Senior Associate Commissioner for Football Operations in the Pac-12, so he's making the jump from Conference USA to the Pac-12. That's the first time that the Pac-12 has had a leader devoted to just football. And so he's going to report to Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott. I think that's a pretty good idea. I think Conference USA should have someone that their sole job is just football. Seriously, I mean, you, you have a commissioner, and you can have your commissioner oversee everything. You can have your commissioner be the the overseer, the ultimate figurehead in the organization. But if you have some people who are just dedicated completely to their sport and making sure things are running smooth. But, I mean, here's a guy who is, um, I, mean, I think, for the most part, you're getting someone who's got a lot of of 
experience. Well liked. And just looking at the description of what he's going to be doing. He's going to be responsible for all aspects of Pac-12 football administration, including scheduling, officiating, replay command center operations, the conference title game, and the league's bowl relationship. And he's also going to serve as the primary contact for the Pac-12's athletic directors and football coaches, bowl partners, and NCAA administrators on football matters. So basically, if it's football, it goes to him. And then he goes to the commissioner. So if he needs to talk to the commissioner, he gets to go talk to the commissioner. But if you need to talk to anyone in the Pac-12 and it's football, you're talking to him. That's not a terrible idea, really. You got one person, they are in charge of that. And I think that would help immensely in Conference USA or any other league that you know really goes to the more of a, a strong I don't want to say a, a strong figurehead, but it's really what it is. It really what it is is someone who's just going to be able to be your point person on that, and that's not a, that's not a bad idea to have more of that in these conferences. Ultimately, I mean, the commissioner again is on charge on top; they're the one who has to agree with everything. I mean, you can't just go out. I mean, maybe you can. Maybe you have the autonomy to go out and do what you think is best. And then you know, unless it's something that really, no, 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 we need to pull you back on that, uh, that's where the commissioner would step in. Uh, finally, we were talking earlier about how there's not going to be fans first game for West Virginia against Eastern Kentucky. Well, part of the problem, of course, and this is not a unique situation to West Virginia, but you, know, you get college kids together. They're coming back. You get freshmen together. You get college students together. And, you know, what are they going to do? Well, you're going to have parties. And WVU's been pretty strong on that. Like, look, hey, we need to practice social distancing. We need to do this right here. We need to make sure that the campus community and population is pretty safe. We're mitigating. We're doing all that stuff. And university comes out in the news release, and there's going to be about half a dozen students They've been identified as being involved in parties in the downtown areas of Morgantown near campus, and they could face possible disciplinary action. The officials um, at WVU in the release said that uh, initial failure to comply with the university's health and safety policies on social gatherings or state and local public health orders would result in probation, um, some educational activity as well. Basically, you're going to school on how to go to school during a pandemic. Probation would also be listed on a student's disciplinary record and made available to future employers upon request. So basically, the university's putting something bad in your record. So an employer calls up, hey, what do you got on this student? Oh, here's what they did. And, um, oh, by the way, uh, you know, did they do anything bad? Oh, yeah, sure, we got that too. We'll give that to you. Uh you would get uh, probation, and um, if you violate that a second time, you could be suspended, expelled. Same thing for student organizations that don't follow the policies on social gatherings. Uh, there's going to be some iron fist here to kind of crack down on this because already we're seeing it. We're seeing campuses light up with COVID. 
We're seeing campuses open up and then next thing you know, shut down. I'm looking at you, North Carolina. What do we think would happen? Honestly, what do we think would happen? So I'm crossing my fingers. Um, I'm hearing that Marshall's got some plans in place before they let kids on campus. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be uh, if it is mandatory if they're going to be testing mandatory, but uh, I'm hearing some things and I'm, I'm getting some some info that you know, they're gonna they're gonna lock down pretty good, and that's not a bad idea. You should be tested. I mean that should be part of it if you're going to be back on campus. And again, you can't put these kids in a bubble, but you can try to mitigate as much as possible. But that's where we're at right now. Can we trust students? Can we trust college kids to do the right thing? And I mean, that's not just a college kid thing. Can we trust adults to do the right thing? Can we trust people, period, to do the right thing? And if we could have come together earlier on, just wore the masks, distance better. I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, there's nothing at Walmart I can't order online and get. I don't have to go into Walmart. Not too much in there. Same thing with uh, with the grocery store. I mean, they made it real easy for you now. You can just go to the website and click what you want, and they'll bring and load it to you, load it in your trunk. My freedom was not taken away from me. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't feel like I'm a prisoner or anything. If I need something, I can order it. I can go in the store, of course, wear my mask. That's one thing. I can, I can order it, and they can bring it to my trunk, and they can mail it to me. It's all good. I'm good. Uh, and, and another thing is um, when you go to get your haircut, because I know there were people protesting because you, you demanded your freedom to get a haircut. And I get that. I totally get that because let me tell you, razors, electric razors, man, if I could have had a warehouse of electric razors, I would have made a fortune in a few months ago. We're doing things smarter now, but we got to continue to do smarter things. If we don't do smarter things, we don't get football. Or there's football you don't get to watch. You don't get to sit in the stadium and watch. So do smarter things. That's going to do it for this edition. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget, back on Monday, we have got programming preempting us tomorrow. So enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll see you Monday. WRBC Huntington, W227BS Huntington, your flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.